Um, okay, quick. Some notes from my editing. We smack our lips far too much. Yeah. I honestly don't even think it's the quality of the microphones. It's just the way we have them set up. We need a screen yeah. in between, especially for like peas, like this right here. Like that's going to sound awful. When Parameters. When back to this. Right. Parabola. Uh, it, it's when you get real airy because it's like brushing against it. Matt, stop typing on your keyboard. Well, I stop can hear... giving me things to type. It's not even when I'm telling you to look up something. Because I was trying okay. to do additional research to have anecdotes. Uh-huh. Something, and this is honestly more of a note for me, okay. when you're thinking about what you're going to say next, instead of going with a long, drawn-out, uh, or like, this is, it's better to go, this is... And then pause, because I can edit out the pause super easy. You don't notice it. Like, I feel like if you listen to at least the first episode, I feel like listening to that one, I made a lot of what I was saying smoother because I was able to cut out the breaks. In there. Yeah, and I'm very uh, robust in my speaking density. You required a lot less editing than I did. And maybe that's because I just don't like my voice. No, that's probably a big part of it, yeah. <laughs> but you're also, even when you don't quite know what you're talking about, you make it sound like you know what you're talking about. So I'm still along for the ride. That's literally the greatest skill I have in this life, is the ability to talk about things that I know about 15% about and make it sound like I know 80 Oh yeah, it's it's one of the things I'm most jealous about. I I think of you sometimes <laughs> this as just being it, this. <laughs> I think of you sometimes of just being this like what Alistair Crowley aspires to be, just like this all-knowing creature. And you're like, yeah, I know everything about the Egyptians, and you probably only know like that mummies exist, and that's it. But you make hey, it. Fuck sound. you! I know a lot more about the Egyptians than that. Uh, hey do you know what you call a male mummy i don't know what do you call a male mummy ben a daddy (laughs) okay legitimately i'm listening to the podcast last week and even as i'm editing it i'm like i think i'm just not having enough fun with it yeah, this, this should be a very, this is to me, this is what I'm talking about here is a very fun thing for me. Like, I like it. I, I feel like we, we sometimes, or I mean, you, you too, I mean, we both do it, but we get lost in, in the detail and we, we, cause we're the type of nerds, the two of us in, in which those details are what make things fascinating. But instead of giving our listeners or our friends half the time, like the tidbit, we give them the whole bit. It, it's have you seen the recent internet trend of icebergs? Apparently not. So I'll send you one. I'm gonna t- I'm gonna type in my. Keyboard. I mean, I know what icebergs are. Yeah, you I've know heard of I mean. icebergs. Yeah, but like, I mean, the internet iceberg. So here, uh, ooh, this is an actually interesting breakdown. Welcome to fourth times the charm. So Ben, here, Whoa. look at this. So this is this is an this is an internet iceberg. It's a format like how things are laid out so people have made a whole youtube career breaking these things down and i think we could do an 
WWE ones because he would be able to go off. So here, you see that? So it's like the top of the iceberg is the stuff that you'd find by just using Google, you know, deep web, dark web. So like the more and more difficult it is to access the stories or how deep you have to be invested into the subject matter dictates how deep the iceberg it goes. And me and you, if you look at this wrestling one that's difficult to read, we like to exist. Oh my god. In the bottom three tiers here. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna read one of these off and we'll see how Ben reacts to it. Attitude era ended at WrestleMania twenty. <laughs> Who the fuck says that? Who would say that? Maven won Royal Rumble 2002. Well, that's just stupid. Viscera fired for snorting cocaine. What? See, you're... oh, was he? Well, see, oh, that's that's... In... That, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. <laughs> see, and that's what these. Look at that! Are. That's awesome. Uh, should we actually do like an actual intro here, just so there's an option so I can edit it in? Yeah, I'm ready when you are. <clears throat> oh yeah hear that music matt mm, our intro sounds so good doesn't it welcome to fourth times the charm i am your host ben alongside my other host i am matthew and we are fourth times the charm we are the podcast for every week we debut a new podcast why because we want them all gotta catch them all last week i delighted everyone to <laughs> the podcast form of nyquil and that was the edited edition yeah. we want the snyder cut don't we matt no. uh, only only if you release an unedited version of me reading more and more comments from those two weirdos on that on that website five-hour podcast i there, love it there's so much content there there's a whole family of people interacting with each other posting creepy pictures of dolls now i think we have a yearly commitment we must uphold mm -hmm. to have the sleepiest podcast of the year once every year every 52 episodes <laughs> we have the most dry uninteresting dull podcast ever well ben I, d I don't know how many how many years we could actually keep that going because i don't know how frequently you could talk about wrestling figures are you really doubting me right now I, about I mean, my I'm shooting, ben. intricate wrestling knowledge here look i'm not i'm not questioning your wrestling knowledge i'm questioning how many times you could specifically talk about wrestling figures because like do I'm you even do you even know what the highest percentage television rating a wrestling match had in the world in history well this episode is not about wrestling because yes had... matt's gonna take the ship this week yeah so um i'm gonna take the ship so i'm gonna jump into it all right i don't in, in, in my view of this podcast, there are very few thr frills. There's very few vamping. It's just going to be a lot of talking about things that we are passionate about and that we love, which is kind of this whole, this whole show. This is a little bit more focused. So, Ben, here you go. Are you ready for this show? I'm ready. I am, I am braced for impact. Ooh, on TNT. So, this, this podcast. They wish. Yeah, they wish. So, this podcast which in my vision is actually an interview podcast with a guest coming in that we talk to this week. I will operate in the place of the guest in a sense. This podcast is called my life through 
It is designed to be an interview podcast where we bring in interesting or unique guests and we have a conversation about either a period of their life or a course of their whole life. But instead of doing the traditional thing where we're like, tell me about your career. Oh, when did you write your first book? Or when did you know you wanted to be a musician? What we do is we we work with them to create a story about their life through the media that they love the most. So if I were to do this with you, Ben, it would be about wrestling and movies. So it w- the episode would be My Life Through Movies with Ben Tucker. And we would go through your early life talking about the movies that informed and that led you to be who you are today and what you love today. And so for this first episode, I'm going to be discussing my life through music. As Ben knows and Anyone who knows me knows music is huge in my life. Like, Ben, you can attest to this, right? This is the best idea ever. Oh, my God. Wow. This is so much better than the wrestling figure one. I love this. Thank you. Oh, yes. Yeah, you like music. Yeah. <laughs> I like I like music. I like, I like to... I feel like the secret non-career job I have is as, like, a radio host or, like, a curator of music. It's what brings me a lot of joy. I love, as Ben knows, to share my music with people and tell them why I love it. Yeah, my ears still have tinnitus thanks to you. Oh, and don't worry, Ben. They're going to get more because I have audio clips this week. I'm going to talk about my life through music. But before we get into my life and what I find interesting, let's talk about you. So, Ben, I, I you know I, I, I'm the passionate music fan in, in, in the group outside of somewhere else. But I want to know what music has been the most important to you growing up. Specifically, we're talking about like the years like 2000 until 2008. So pre-high school, what was informing and part of your life music-wise? It was really video games and wrestling theme music as sad as that is because my dad loved country music which i had less than zero interest in and my mother just listened to whatever was on the radio but she didn't really care so for me i was kind of on a wasteland of being uninterested in music Mm -hmm. but there is nothing like a wrestling theme that just gets your blood pumping and a lot of the video games I played in that time span have some of the most iconic soundtracks ever. Yeah, and to your point, Ben, early on in my life as a music fan, there was two massive influences on where I got to today. It was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, it was Guitar Hero, and it was the TV show Viva La Bam. Each of these has been noted by... There's a fantastic YouTuber named Punk Rock NBA. The owner of, the sh- owner of that channel is named Finn McKenty. And he can give you a much... <laughs> what a silly name. Finn McKinty? He's cool. He responds to everybody who, who writes to him on on Is he, face, on is he like Irish? That's a great yeah, name. He's a bald guy from Seattle. Ah, uh, <laughs> okay. Well, if he was Irish, I'd like him more. But, oh, it's Fleet McKinley here. No, he sounds like he's from the West Coast. But... Oh, no, I don't <laughs> like him now. He's great. Uh, he's got a Midwestern mentality. What's his name? Feet McKinley? Finn McKinty. I'm pro- I might feet McKinley. If, if for some reason you're listening to this, Finn, I'm sorry. Uh, but regardless, he has done a great job breaking down these different eras of music. And one of the things that he most points out into the evolution of the music that I loved in my early days is the influence of these TV shows and these video games. And just like you, Ben, in the two early 2000s when I was a kid, I was playing a lot of video games, I was watching a lot of wrestling, and I was watching a lot of movies. And those things really informed who 
who I became as a, mu as a music fan. And those genres and what was being used in that era of both WWE and video games reflects my music interest to this day, as I think it does with you when I've played some of the bands I like today for you. Well, I'm excited for this. This sounds awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. You've put far too much effort into this now. I feel so embarrassed about <laughs> last week now in comparison. This is... Ben this is great. This is the Matt specialty, which is taking what's really a very basic podcast concept and just really getting into the pathos of it. I because that's what I find more interesting. The 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 nitty gritty like history of these genres is cool, but again, like I'll leave that to Finn McKinty. I'm gonna talk. Yeah, the pathos, the 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 person. Yeah, that's right. We're letting you off easy today, Feet McKinley. Yeah, we're coming for you, baby. We're, gonna... <laughs> we're on to you we got we got two viewers that you don't i don't think there's a single there, there there's a hundred percent crossover between his fan base and ours <laughs> um you know the dream hey put us on your podcast ben we'll love to talk to you so i feel like it's important just like you said ben part of the reason that you were not as interested in music was because your parents had a very like secondhand enjoyment of music i have two parents who fucking love music they grew up loving music my dad has a record collection that still outweighs mine my mom grew up going to shows all throughout the 70s and the 60s my mom still holds it over my head that she saw kiss and alice cooper playing a gymnasium and how it was one of the craziest shows he's ever been to uh my dad has first pressings of almost every beatles record and it's not because he collects music it's because he bought them when they came out that's amazing yeah and so when I was trying to think about this podcast, I was trying to think about what questions I would ask our guests to help frame their experience. And so the, the two questions I came up with were, what were those first songs that to this day you remember? And what were those first albums that came after those initial songs? And so Ben, I'm going to play you one of the very first songs I remember. I can close my eyes and see myself sitting on the rug in Mrs. White's first grade class singing the song with my classmates. And it's eight days a week by the Beatles. So uh, I'll share this with you. Ben, edit a clip in of this song here. No, it's true. Now, I don't want to get copyright claimed by the Beatles, so we're going to talk over this clip as it plays in the background. Oh, that's great, but that also means that we can't stop talking, Matt. I know, we have so to continue to need speak. To really... I can vamp. The Beatles are one of the greatest bands of all time, and my parents instilled that into me at this age. And one of those things in those songs was this song, Eight Days Wow, Away. you gave up quickly, didn't you? It was too loud, and I couldn't talk over it, and I kept pausing when I tried to. <laughs> it, we, this music can still be playing behind us in the edit, Ben. Keep kayfabe alive. Um, so this song, and in addition to songs like Yellow Submarine and other, and other Beatles classics like Revolver, Hey Jude, really were a huge part of my life. My dad always had the Beatles 1 um, compilation album in his car, and I grew up loving that. I was also at this time exposed to Bob Dylan, Foghat, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen, Jimi Hendrix, Kiss... Foghat, all of these other classic bands. You were introduced to Foghat twice? Yeah. It's just an easy band to remember, and they're mildly unpopular. Uh, but <laughs> those were the songs that really gave me a lot of passion for music. Now, those songs weren't mine, right? Those songs were my parents. They gave them to me. 
So as I sat at home and at work today, I was thinking, like, what was that song? What was the song that, you know, like, I felt like I found that was a song for me? Now, Ben, I don't – have you ever heard of a band called Trapped? Tracked? Trapped. T-R-A-P-T. Traps. Uh, no. No, I have not. Oh, yeah, I know this song. <laughs> hey! So this riff. Yeah. This riff right here was one of the most influential riffs on my childhood and on my life as a music fan. I Th- This is one of, like, the most iconic riffs, I feel like, of the 2000s. I feel like that riff just influenced so many people. Yeah, and, and this band is full of dicks and this is their only good song, but they rode that to the Yeah, I was, I was also going to say that this is their only good song ever. I have no endorsement of this band, but this song was all over the place. This, like, like Let the Bodies Hit the Floor, and all of these other songs really were all over the internet, all over... Bodies is, bo- bodies is really a shame, because I like that song, but it's been just run into the ground, kicked, stomped, burned, flayed alive... And overplayed. Driven to ash and overplayed. Yeah, that's a shame. Now, here, since, since you're going through yours, I can go through a few of my equivalents for you. Sure, sure you want to color a bit so this is this is like third grade for me ben just gonna structure that in there so the probably one of the first signature songs in terms of the old ones you were telling about Mm -hmm. would be the what a wonderful world (laughs) the kindergarten teacher had to go talk to someone and she was literally talking to them for like 20 minutes so the song looped like 10 12 times sweet jesus so that song was engraved in my memory. Outside of that, pro wrestling, mm-hmm. Bill Goldberg, the most intimidating entrance music of all time. Oh, I was going to say music like that, though, I think gave you, in my opinion, a, a good appreciation for the heavier, more beat driven kind of metal that came into like the groovy, thrashy, very hair metal aspects. Oh, you know, though, now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, it did. And Look at that. This is your life through music, Ben. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great example. Like, in wrestling for me, like, I became a huge fan of John Cena because of his intro song. I owned his record. I used to play it in the car all the time. I was a fan of Thugonomics, so to speak. But then there was also guys who actually, I think you can put this together, Ben. My favorite wrestling theme song I ever heard as a kid was when Undertaker walked out to O Fortuna with the guys with torches lining the entryway. That's WrestleMania 20, Madison Square Garden. Hell yeah, I watched that on television. I loved that, and that really kind of gave me a, a, a flair for the theater. Let's keep going forward in my life and kind of structure to where we got to today. So I, I don't, I, I don't want to hijack this, Matt, but you know what the best theme song from mid-2000s WWE is? It's the 2002 Raw theme from Union Underground. Yes! Forget to last I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, that's the hypest shit. That fucks. It does. And, well, and bands like that and like Alter Bridge and like Shine Down eventually were all contemporaries to the music that I'm talking about today. 
And WWE knew that because kids like me with my tastes were demographically a big part of that industry, that, that, that fan base. And so we move forward a little bit. I'm a little bit older. I, I'm imagining this is like fifth grade, maybe fourth grade. I started to stay up really late and not sleep. And one of the things I would do during that time is watch MTV and watch a ton of reality television because I loved it. There's something to be said, I think, for that age range where you're just starting to be old enough to stay up past your parents. Mm -hmm. And there's just that like four to six hour block where you just have time to yourself and you can do whatever and you can search the internet and watch TV. It's like really your first chance to do your own thing uninhibited. Yeah, it's what let me dive deeply into music. And I remember distinctly, we had Comcast, and on Comcast, you could, like, watch music videos on demand. I was staying up one night super late on MTV, and this song came on, Ben. Now, everyone listening to this, if you don't recognize this song when it starts playing, I'm a little disappointed in you. Ben, I sincerely feel the same way, too. I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Skip ahead a little bit. Skip ahead a little bit. This song. Like, oh well, yeah, everybody on. knows this song. Yeah, I mean, and, yeah. And, and ben, can, can you attest potentially to, let's say, my emoness at a certain point in our relationship, and from photos you've seen of me as a child? Are you talking about the star pants photo, the the one where you have bright blue pants with white stars on them, and you're just looking emotionally at the at the photographer? Yeah, stuff like that. You know, I had black hair. I wanted to spike my hair at one point. And wore eyeliner. I never wore eyeliner, but I did paint my nails black. Now, this... <laughs> you did! I forgot for you For a did. long time. So this song and this follow-up song were huge influences on me as a kid. Now, MTV played a role in my can, love can, for can, can I ask you this? Yeah. Can I ask you this? What purpose did painting your nails do for you? Like, like, was it the mu- Okay, I just- I wasn't sure if you were like, this looks badass, or you're like, this is just the style. It was- it was a little bit of both. I wanted to look like the artists that I loved, and I wanted to- You know, it was a little bit of rebellion, and I was like, yeah, this is cool, fuck other people. And- Okay, I mean, I- I I can- I can handle that. And I- I grew up in a privileged- experience with a lot of with a lot of like rich very white people who being like a type of kid who would wear a metal t-shirt and had painted nails was the epitome of not cool so i decided i'd push that you know continuously into the things i did love and this song's a great example of how media influenced my interests and specifically the show viva la bam uh viva la bam was Bam Margera's TV show that spawned out of his role in both skateboarding and his role in the Jackass. One of the most interesting things I find about that show is that Bam Margera curated every single song that was played on that show. Wow. And he chose to go out of his way to highlight the bands that he loved and was passionate about. And one of the biggest of those was this band, Him. Uh, him has these fantastic gothic rock influences they're very theatric clean crisp male vocals that are edging onto operatic and it, it's just 
don't, I don't know. How would you describe this song, Ben? Actually, there's a band that reminds me a lot of these guys. Poets of the Fall. Have you listened to them at all? You know what, Ben? You've hit a blind spot. Okay. Poets of the Fall. I feel like they're a side band. Like, they're just guys who get together and do music. Because the only songs they ever seem to officially release are soundtracks for games made by Remedy. Oh. Which are, the they did the signature song in Max Payne 2, The Fall of Max Payne. Okay, okay. Which is into, the, uh, it's Late Goodbye, that's the name of the song. And it is fantastic. It is an epic of a song. And it's one of the most underrated songs in video games ever but it has very much the same vibe as this they're also the band which you will know who did the soundtrack for control oh oh, oh okay sweet that game is amazing yeah. if you haven't played if you're listening to this and you haven't played the game control it is it takes it takes kind of like that max pain experience it just makes it very very american very like modern and very like satisfying control made me fall back in love with triple a games yep. that's how good it was like wildly stunning video game. Yeah, I spent I spent months talking about how good that game was, and when, when the rest of us, everyone else around me and from the internet started picking up and playing it, I knew it was going to be something special, at least in the hearts of this friend group. Especially when it didn't sell well. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> because now we can feel spiteful about it, that, and we that, can be like, fuck you. That sensation is my current music interest, in a nutshell. Um, but to, to parlay what we're talking about here about control and video game music, not only was a show like Viva La Bam hugely influential on me with songs like Him, bands like Turbo Negro, uh, bands like the Dead Kennedys, even Ruder, Goldfinger, CKY, this very punk slash like gothic rock influence really informed a lot of my music interests now, which you know revolve around extreme metal, very operatic and theatrical stuff. But the other huge influence was Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, which Ben, did you did you you played Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, right? It's the one genre that I just cannot figure cool. out how to play it. Like I've I have tried, I have spent time playing those games, and I just do not understand how it works. Wow, I'm a little disappointed. Um, like I've tried, I've tried I suck like at these five. Games, by the way, <laughs> I I've tried like five different skating games i did the first tony hawk pro skater okay. i did skate i did tony hawk underground Underground was a and great every game. yeah i i think it probably is too but i just literally cannot figure out how the controls function it's like a blind spot and two connectors in my brain are not lighting up so that 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 album was, that game was full of some of the best punk and punk rock and pop early pop punk from the 90s now a game that was even in retrospect more influential on me is a game i doubt you also played ben called bmx triple x it was a <laughs> i've i've played it with you yeah you did it's a 2002 game on ps2 it's got songs like basket case by green day down by 311 um click click boom date rape by sublime which is a fucking terrifying song title. Cute Without the Eve from Taking Back Sunday. Girls, Girls, Girls by Motley Crue. The Magic Number from De La Soul. My, Fre uh, My Friends Over You by Newfound Glory. These songs, 
you know, it, it's such an interesting aspect of this era of music because it produced a very deep love for these early 2000s and 90s pop punk scene and the eventual huge rise of the genre we're eventually going to talk about, which is metalcore, which was the first scene I was really a part of. So in this time period and when we were watching wrestling, we were too young to necessarily be a part of the scenes that were popular and were verbose, full of fans and new people. We were in that like very tertiary exposure, right? We're not deep into it. I couldn't at this point in time have a conversation with you about why Green Day and Sum 41 are influential on one another because I didn't have the capacity to have that conversation. And it kept going. So like I just mentioned, I started to get to the point now, and this is about fourth and fifth grade, where I'm getting invested into genres. This song here, I'm going to play it just because I love this song. This is uh, Turbo Negro's All My Friends Are Dead, which was the intro song to Viva La Bam. And part of the reason I fell in love with this song is I had all the Viva La Bam seasons on DVD, and I would just watch them on repeat. And I used to rewind the intro to sing along to the song. And Ben, while you're listening to this song here for a second, yes. think about the music I listen to now. And just like, t- tell me what you hear. This is like the anthem for you. Yeah. Like, it, if, you, if you've heard this song or watched Viva La Bam, you know this song. And I, I feel like the ethos that is being presented here very much like informs my personal mentality around music. Like, this is fun. Yeah, it's haunting almost. This is exactly it. This is the center of your type of music. Yeah, it's huh. it's a little punky. It's fast. The presentation is fun. And the lyrics behind it are a little bit on the edge of, like, ooh, that's a little edgy. You know? like an, It's a little spicy. Yeah. And now, this is still pre-investment, I would say. This is before I became like a dedicated lover of any one band. I just liked music, right? But that changed. That changed with the huge pop punk boom that was happening in the early 2000s between, you know, 1998 and 2005. Pop punk was punching its way through the entire world and arguably kind of on its going out tour. But, you know, I was a kid. I loved it. And one of the very first concerts I ever got to go to was in Chicago at the House of Blues. I saw two of my favorite bands in the world, and it, it was very difficult for me to pick a song here to represent these two bands. I went with, with the more popular option, which now in retrospect, as I'm saying, it makes me sad. Um, but one of the biggest bands of my childhood, and they were really my first deep dive into what it meant to be a music fan, which I think like you, Ben, it, it was the experience of that late night sitting up and doing what you want, where now I was interested in discovering new things. I wanted to be a part of the scene and know, you know, everything a band had done. And I, I don't know, what was the first thing for you, Ben, where you were like, I need to understand and explore this in its entirety? I watched wrestling since I was two. So that was already sort of predetermined for me. And then once I had access to the internet, it became a mixture of wrestling and also uh, Legend of Zelda and just video game trivia. So I would stay up late. I would just scour the internet for just trivia and fun facts about all my favorite video games. 
weird stuff from Japan that you'd never heard of. <laughs> the, 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 the Philips CDI, you know, what's that? I, oh, I, wow, yeah. that doesn't exist. And so that's when I started collecting things okay. is when I would see, you know, these things which sound so cool and they're so amazing when, you know, I'm, I'm 10 years old, I'm 12 years old and I, I really like video games and I have like two or three game systems and I'm like, wait a minute, what, I can actually pinpoint it okay. for you. Let me hear it, let me, hit me with it. We go to Walmart. Oh shit. In like 2003, Okay. And we're looking around, and all of a sudden, there's a wall of WWF No Mercy on Nintendo 64. Yes! Just a wall sitting there. And I look at it, and I go, my mom, I'm like, yo, that's an old system, isn't it? But it's brand new. That's pretty cool. Can I have it? And they're like, you know, it's 10 bucks or whatever. Yeah, sure. Why not? And so they break out the old Nintendo 64. I'm like, whoa, this looks awful. That's awesome. <laughs> And so then that's what started my my love of all of those things. And I think I think I I just hijacked your podcast, but I feel like we tangentially got back to where we started. Look, Ben, I told you I told you wrestling was going to be intrinsic to this because it's part of where we got our taste from. I remember playing SmackDown versus Raw on whatever game system that was initially released on, and playing. I think I had the N64 game No Way Out. No Mercy. No Mercy. Yeah, and the soundtracks for those were awesome. Uh, and again, influential. And dig diggity dig dig diggity dog. Yeah, fuck yes, man. Oh my, I bring it. Oh, that was that was a banger. That was an absolute banger. Now, so to focus back on on, on you know my history. Yeah, music, focus back on what we're talking about. Frankly, this is the best podcast we've done. Uh, so to focus. <laughs> That's because you're just talking about yourself, Matt. It's what you've always wanted. Love me, interest in me. So one of the the first bands that really I dove deep into the discography of, dove deep into being a part of the scene around it, is Nickelback. Some forty one, one of the most legendary pop punk bands of the age, one of the few bands who really incorporated heavy metal into their pop punk sound because these guys grew up on like iron maiden they grew up on metallica they grew up on the more heavy metal side of things and now ben listening to this song again similar to the turbo negro song can you hear me in this music right my personality this is these guys are in this in the music video for still waiting by some 41 this is how i look when i go to work every day sans the spiked hair Wow, I don't think I've ever heard this song. There's no way. I I swear, I know, I'm amazed too. I feel like I should have, but it's made no impact on me, so it's as if I've never heard it before. So this, this is my favorite Sum 41 song. Um, arguably one of the most popular as well, which makes me feel a little, ooh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of surprised. So in order to, in order to increase my cred here, we're getting closer to when I became part of a scene, you know, actually became an invested member. And I will say one of the, one of the ways in which that happened and one of the ways in which I found a lot of like acceptance and friends was through going to shows. And so one of the ver the first shows I ever went to was two of my favorite bands of all time playing some 41. And 
arguably my favorite childhood band. Now, you definitely have heard this song, Ben. This was one of the staples of the game Burnout 3 Takedown and why that game got so popular. This is... Oh, boy. This is Red Flag mm. by Billy Talent. This is a Canadian punk band who is old-school, very deep-hearted original punk. I will wave the flag of this band to the day I die because of how influential and, in my opinion, talented they are. Three, Their first three albums are untouchable, in my opinion. Albums one and two are perfection of this time period. This song made... I would skip through the songs in Burnout until I got to this song for any of the really hard races because I would race better listening to it. To this day, it's like my favorite driving song. Oh my god, this is a bop. Oh. You, in, you into this, man? You feeling it? Of course I'm feeling it. Yeah, this song is fantastic. And one of the things that I find very interesting in my history with music is, again, my show exposure and my love for shows. This band was the first time I was at a show on the floor at a venue that was smaller than a stadium. I had seen bands with my dad. I saw Green Day in, like, 2004 at, like, the Allstate Arena. But that wasn't a real, you know, impactful show for me. I loved it, but it wasn't the thing that made me fall in love with shows. It was this specific show. And I remember the first pit I ever went into in my life was Billy Talent playing this song. And I got elbowed in the throat the moment I walked into the pit. It was like within four seconds. It was like, yeah, bam. And you know what? I fell in love with it. And, That's awesome. Yeah, and this this band is truly something special to me, and I think truly something special for music. I saw them not too long ago at Warp Tour, and they were playing. They have at the Warp Tour in Chicago. There's two stages right next to each other, and like when one stage when one stage is playing, the next band's prepping on the other stage, and when the first band ends, the next band starts playing about five minutes later. So there's like a, it's very easy for people to transition, and they're like the veterans playing next to some very modern popular band and like the passion and intensity of their performance was so was so strong that it was pulling people over from waiting for this hugely popular band just to see who these guys were and that's that's a passionate energy i i will always contend with and i'll get off my soapbox supporting this band here and just dive into my last point so my last thing here is that there's a point where as like a deep passionate fan of something you hit the pulse. You hit the point where you are following the progression of a genre. Now, I, Matt. Yes. Are you gonna rickroll us? No. Um. In the late '90s, early 2000s, we talked about all this music that we've played recently ha- has been popular. This was the mainstream. In in the in the sub mainstream, there was the hardcore punk and DIY scene. Which again, go watch a Finn McKenty video on it. I can't talk about it. I wasn't there. He's like 30 and was. But those genres were were big, and they were just teetering on the edge of hitting the mainstream. Bands like Rage Against the Machine, bands like the Beastie Boys, who had influences from that scene, were starting to crop up. But then when kids who were, you know, five to six years older than I was, were also listening to those things and were wanting to start their own bands. And that led to both the explosion of American heavy metal with bands like Avenged Sevenfold, Atreyu, Disturbed. And I like that stuff, but the genre that really caught me was metalcore. 
And I was on the pulse of this genre from a young age, and I feel like it informed a lot of who I am. And now, Ben, you're about to hear a song you've probably heard way too many times in freshman year at DePaul. This is Devil Wears Prada. Hey, John, what's your name again? Uh, yeah. Yep. No one but me yep. likes this music. Yeah. Just we were go we were doing so well. Oh, it's all down. And then we got here. It's all down here. No, ben. This this music and this music alone was what made 2007 to 2009 possible for me. Um, I you know, I was a lonely kid, so to speak, listening to this kind of music, but the community and the intensity of this music just you know sang to my heartstrings. So like this is one of those songs I remember when this music video debuted. I was at home on my computer and this thing popped up on YouTube. It had had a thousand views and I lost my mind listening to this. And I think that now I know you don't necessarily like it, but if you can. Can you take a second here to try to hear the influences from the music I've played for you before and how oh, absolutely. it took me here? Yeah, no, definitely. I I feel like this is the more serious version of the type of music you were listening to before. The, the music beforehand is a lot more fun-loving and, yeah, fight to man. This one, it's like the the stakes and the ethos and the the gravity of the song is a lot higher. Yeah, and and like as you can tell, like these are dudes who were looking at the guys that played the music we were just listening to, and were like, "How can we push it?" And they were also listening. They were older people. We're listening to the more hardcore music that I eventually fell in love with, like this. This to them, they're their version of this were those hardcore bands were those like intense bands like earth crisis bands that i can't now remember the name of hardball i don't know other great hardcore bands and they took it to this genre but ben you know this is again like this is very serious right now the other things you heard in that early genre i i were theatrics and fun Right, I think I think those two words describe my music taste a bit. Would you agree with that? Yes, yes, I would. Okay, and so now this is the influences from a lot of the rock and punk I listened to, but there were other bands that I was even more on the pulse of. And now this band, if you're still listening to this, you probably like this kind of music. You're gonna cringe. I still cringe a little bit, but trust me, it was one of the most influential bands in a genre that became known as Mall screamo now what what other two words or kind of thematic things would you say define some of my other early music tastes emotional yeah and metal okay all right we're gonna run you only asked for two you only asked for two words we're gonna run this back again ben we're gonna do this bit again it's it's fun and theatrics. I'm get, I'm giving you the in here so that it feels more of a conversation. Okay. All right, all okay. Right, going, going back. All right. <laughs> Rewind. <laughs> okay. But there's other things I look for in music, and I'm curious, Ben. What if you had to pick two other like characteristics of the music that I seek out? What do you think those would be? Fun. And emotional. <laughs> 
<laughs> Alright, what I'm looking for from you, Ben, is for you to say fun and theatrics, you piece of shit. <laughs> wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Fun. And theatrics. There we go. There. Now I can edit it back in so none of this happens, but this is all staying. This is all staying. Yes, okay. So I've been trying to get Ben to say fun and theatrics. And two of the bands that I think in this early kind of metalcore screamo scene that encompassed those two things the most. The first was the fun, the 80s, that little bit of hair metal that I got from games like BMX X, Like a little bit of the fun punk energy I got from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and some of the music I listen to with my friends is Asking Alexandria. Now, if you're listening to this still and you're interested, this statement either made you go, yeah, or it made you go, ugh. Now, regardless, you're about to listen to some of their best song. This song was recorded in 2009 and was right. I was my first year in high school when this came out. And I swear to you, I listened to this song and watched this music video on repeat. I'm just curious for your, your response here, Ben. I used to wear those exact jeans. I, I started wearing ripped jeans, I think, predominantly because of this band. With long black hair. I believe that. And, and to this day, I have a passion for this kind of like chuggy music. But something that I find very interesting music-wise is that if we if we jump ahead in the song here, they did one of the most fun things I've ever heard, which was defining the modern breakdown by using techno. If you go to three minutes and 30 seconds of the music video. Ben, do, do, do you hear this, this, the techno glory? Oh yeah, yeah, I hear the techno glory. Yeah, so this is this is where that fun comes in and those influences. To this day, I still love some electronic music. And listen, this is one of the most iconic breakdowns of all time. From like a journalistic and a music standpoint, the intensity of this just carried everything that I came to love. Like, I listen to a lot of death metal now. I listen to a lot of, like, crust and hardcore that take these breakdowns and incorporate these synthetic and synth-related tones to really drive home the comparison between the two bands. That, that right there, I think, kind of brings it brings it to a close about how this this kind of music led to who I am. Not just my my logos, not just my pathos, and my, but it informed my ethos. It gave me this kind of sense of both enjoying the things that are slightly outside of what was considered like super popular, but not you know too obscure, and gave me this kind of like I don't know a punk rock mentality is a little I think a little pretentious for me to say, but it, it gave me this sense of not compromising the things that I find interesting and being willing to present them in a very honest and expressive manner. So here, let me ask you this, Matt, okay. is that there's been a clear evolution of the type of music that you like from when you were a kid until now. And there's been a gradual slope upwards, essentially, in terms of overall like theme, tone, intensity. Mm-hmm. If there's more music that comes out now that's like the music that you enjoyed you know 15 years ago is that something you would still identify with today do you think i would you know i would say only very occasionally so right now there's a modern 
uptick of pop punk, like a pop punk revival, so to speak. And when I listen to that music, I've gone back to it very recently and been like, okay, this is the tone of what I grew up on being played in the modern day. And it's it's like it's like um, uncanny valley nostalgia where I can Interesting. I can tell it's influenced by what I was influenced by being played by people who are like our age and older but the ethos isn't there anymore for me i don't feel the same kind of intense connection to it as i did before what i what i find that now is much more intense uh is much more i don't want to say complex but much more dense so to speak if that makes sense and do you think that's because the music's changed or is it because you've changed? It's 100% me. If less things and less different things had influenced me into where I am today, my passion for that deeply intense music wouldn't be there. Because there's still a part of me that listens to stuff that isn't like isn't metal, isn't what like I've played today. I like a lot. I like a very wide range of music tastes. It's very eclectic. But this kind of ethos had to evolve and it's that kind of they it's called jekyll and hyde vocals where there's a dedicated clean singer and a dedicated screamer in the band and that's kind of all those two guys do and to me that's like a it, it encompasses a lot of both my personality and um the music i like where i love that contrast taking those two opposing forces and forcing them to love each other do, do these guys tour they like still yeah they're still they released an album like i mean i think a year or two ago i didn't see them until like 2016 send me more of these guys i actually kind of like this 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 album right here i think is is so this this album came out in 2010 i will without looking up any other albums that came out that year this is the absolute best album of 2010 this is just good enough to not be cheesy. It's like right on the borderline, which I think makes it more endearing. And the, the thing I find fascinating about this album and this song, Ben, is this album from song one to song 13 is one consistently written narrative. It tells a single linear story from beginning to end. Yeah, that was great. Wow. I really like these guys. I'm fucking blown away we're gonna have a we're gonna have to sit down and listen to this album together Ben. like sincerely i want to sit and listen to this with you so let's wrap this up this was my pitch and my idea for what would be my life through the podcast and oh is that it i mean i could keep going and talk about the rest of my life but i want to be quick i want to end it here again just to to reiterate the pitch and the idea of the podcast the idea of the podcast is my life through where you know we could go back every week we could talk about we talked about my life my early life in music from you know from young childhood to high school and a little bit into high school uh, i feel like we could do the same thing with movies so th- this this podcast and this podcast idea that i had for this episode of fourth times the charm is all about talking about and exploring the ethos and pathos of the media and the art that inform who we are today without restricting ourselves to one specific medium but focusing in on a portion of your life that influenced who you are today. Now, if this was being done with someone who people knew and had connections with, this could inform them because they would know who those people are. But for the sake of this episode and this podcast, this is basically serving as kind of an introduction to who me and Ben are. 
And so if we were to do a second episode of this, I think I would follow it up by doing an episode about you, Ben, and your love for movies and their influence on you since you were a kid and, you know, maybe even into our friendship and how we met. Uh, So, Ben, as this is a podcast where we workshop music and we workshop, not music, we workshop ideas about podcasts, how do you feel? I, I, I appreciate how last week's was so terrible. We had to add in the constructive criticism section into this week's <laughs> release the Snyder cut. No, I thought this was really good. I feel like when you're the guy who's interviewing yourself, I feel like it's a lot of, a lot of samey, which was sort of the same thing I ran into last week. Yeah, this was a very masturbatory podcast. Yeah, really, just like last yeah. week. So we've gotten both of ourselves off. <laughs> so great job. Masturbation, the podcast, is fucking off to a great start. Yeah. But I do feel like where we really hit it is when you're able to go into your own unique personal experiences mm-hmm. and draw on that to provide a unique perspective. So I really like, I, I like a lot of the questions you were asking yourself. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's the real nugget. I feel like that's what we would need to look at if we were ever to actually get someone <laughs> to interview on this podcast, you know, which is we don't want to know about you. We want to know about what you find special, which I think is a really powerful thing that we really struck with on this one. Yeah. And I mean, frankly, that concept of what you just said, Ben, what you find special is kind of influences what me and you as friends both, I think, focus on. I think you and I specifically, you know, to be be, be, uh, rather candid, uh, Benjamin was the best man at my wedding. And I think to to give him a little rub and tug on this Matthew masturbation episode. uh, (laughs) Get get ready, I'm leaning back. (laughs) It's coming in, I'm coming in wet. Is Is that Ben and I connected really over a shared intensity with the things we liked ben is yes. very dedicated in his love of the things he loves and i can in the same way and i think ben and i have an ability to just like find the things that we both like and then just be uncompromising to literally everyone else around us about it you know we take there's yeah there's i, I guess the way i look at it is that there's only a few things in life And not everyone even has something where you care about it so much that no matter what you talk about, it just finds its way into the conversation. And that's when there's something you've developed like a special relationship with, Mm -hmm. you know? And I, and I, I, and I think that, that, that happens with us. Like we, we met, we didn't know that each other liked wrestling, but it informs so much of what we just casually talk about. It just happened. We just knew that we both liked wrestling. And, like, it's the same thing with, like, B-horror movies. Like, I didn't even know that you liked B-horror movies. I don't even think I ever said, like, hey, Ben, do you like weird, bad horror movies? No, we just started talking about things. And, like, I said a thing. And then you responded. And then you said a thing. And I and we were, like, we're best friends. Yeah, it, pretty it, much. Even though you looked like a drug dealer. I, it, was, yeah. it was great. Yeah, you know what? Ben, I, just as, as a quick antidote before we wrap th- fully wrap things up here, Ben, can you can you tell the crowd 
What were your first thought of me was when you saw me at college orientation? We were in two separate groups at college orientation on the same day. I remember that I, I think it was that trip too that I had the chance to get like a big scholarship from DePaul and I whiffed it. <laughs> I whiffed the interview hard. It's the biggest whiff of my life because I get there and it's a scholarship for it's like it's a leadership scholarship parentheses and philanthropy or community service right oh, yeah so i go in there they're like this guy comes up obviously a stoner he goes hey man it's all good bro it's just gonna be like a chat amongst friends right dude so we're just gonna ham you in here we're gonna ask you some questions it'll be easy <laughs> great so a hundred of us were there and they were choosing like 35 ish so you have a one in three chance of getting it mm-hmm. so like well i'm not I'm, the, I'm not a d plus student i i got this so i go in and matt i don't know how many conversations you've had with people but i don't think it usually involves you on one side of the long table them on the others they ask you a question you answer and they silently go oh right 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 on their pad of paper oh that sounds like the most beautifully awkward conversation I've ever been to. It was so uncomfortable. <laughs> well, you know what? Anyway, we got to bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. We're at orientation. <laughs> We're walking around. Ben's sad. Anyway, failed. So, so I'm like, well, this depression's gonna kick my ass for the next, you know, six years. So I'm walking around with my group. They're showing us around campus, and then we're passing by another one. I look and I see this long-haired, obviously a drug dealer. <laughs> He's got metal rings on. He has he has these killer just eyes, and his eyebrows are shockingly well manicured, which is kind of strange. Never but okay. Never in my life. It's just natural. And, and, and he has his backpack slung over. He's one strap in it. So, you know, he's a real heel. He's too, he's too cool to have functioning shoulders in three years. He don't care. I have constant shoulder pain on the right side. And I'm like, well, I feel bad, and I don't know what I'm going to do next. But the one thing I do know is I'm going to avoid that guy. <laughs> oh, you can't get rid of me now, can you? But... You know what they say, Matt. Do the outro. You know, you know what they say is that you know you might not have done well in that first interview, Ben, and you might not have done well on the second one, and even the third. There wasn't a second you know one what, because ben, the first one was so bad. You had other interviews. You were an honor student. The second try might not have hit you hard enough. The third time you tried, you might still have failed. But maybe, Ben, just maybe, the fourth time's the charm. Hey, good night, everybody. Say good morning. Because we don't know what time they're at yet. That's, I'm trying to make that. And boy, Ben, I don't know if I've played this song for you before, but you're about to have a good time. This was probably one of the biggest hits of the age this song i'm gonna i'm gonna vamp here for a second while i look up what year this song came came up vamp matt do it hold on like gangrel oh so yeah this 
Oh, by the way, Matt, but before I get started back up, I was I was wondering if you wanted this. I I got a laugh track if you wanted. <laughs> you could only use it twice per episode. I mean, I don't know. I I can't hear it, so I don't know if it's funny or not. Oh, really? Oh, hold on. Didn't hear that? No. <laughs> well, it's played like six times. Oh, I, now. I think I think I just heard a part of it. All right, well, okay, so jumping back in. All right, all right, coming back. All right. Hey, John, what's your name again? My Devil's Project, and this is...